0: Hello again, my friends, and welcome to Jorgensen's Soundbox, The Sandbox of Sounds. This show is in part a channel for my curiosity, and today we're going to explore a little bit deeper into Web3. We're going to find new ways to invest in the Web3 world and check out the exciting new ecosystem of Polkadot. Today, my guest is Dan Reeser. Dan joined the crypto world about three years ago instead of going to get his MBA, And he's now the VP of growth for Akala, the DeFi network, launching soon on the the Polkadot blockchain platform. And don't worry, all of those words will get explained in this podcast shortly. It might sound a bit like I didn't do research, but what actually happened here is I artfully preserved my ignorance so as to more accurately represent an audience unfamiliar with Polkadot. Yes. Uh, In these conversations, I try to bring all of us, myself included, from basics through applications of the blockchain and help us all see around the next few corners that we're going to go through together over the next decade. So stay tuned and we're going to talk about Dan's path to working in crypto, what Polkadot is, where it came from, why it's different from Bitcoin and Ethereum, and we'll end with how. Uh, crypto can get applied to benefiting normal people, just average internet users without having to learn a ton of new crazy things. Please enjoy this conversation arriving at your ears in three, two, one. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm I'm very excited to have you here to teach me all the things about Polkadot um, and you and just more about the blockchain
1: in general. Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: I'm I'm a little bummed that we had to reschedule this um, because I'm quite sure that after we talk, I will immediately go buy dot. And if we had, would have done that a week or two ago, as originally planned, I'd have more money than I have now. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's it's still early, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, um, it's go.
0: it's been a, it's been a good few weeks uh, and a really exciting few weeks um, for Polkadot, which we will we will super get into. Um, Hopefully, in in depth. Uh, But I want to start with your story into crypto. Um, I got introduced to you through Sky King, who was like the first episode on the podcast and who's like making great use of all of the technology that you're building. Um, But I want to uh, see how you got here because I feel like everybody's got their own story.
1: Yeah, it's a crazy kind of path over the last. Um, So the crypto part of my career has been three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm originally from Indiana and actually um, met Sky, who who you just mentioned, at my first company that I worked for, which was Eli Lilly. So I I started out um, in pharmaceuticals and was there doing uh, mostly uh, marketing, brand marketing for um, four years total. Um, But when I was at... I, I went to Indiana University in Bloomington and... I did a one-year master's program in information systems, and I remember having this. I had a class about I think it was an information security class, and we went into this topic about like the Tor um, onion browser and like uh, the deep web and Bitcoin, and I was just kind of mind blown by everything. And went home. I re- I remember going into like into the the deep web and and seeing all this crazy stuff, and then. Uh, I started doing. Uh, I had like only, I think, three credit hours, so I started taking these Bitcoin courses with the, the Andreas Antonopoulos guy, who's one of the originals. And I didn't have any money back then to invest, unfortunately, but still was like just thought it was really cool. So kept following um, crypto as a kind of a hobby during that pharmaceutical um, work. So I learned a lot there, but it wasn't what I like was super passionate about. So. I decided in 2017, after taking the GMAT like three times, um, was going to get my MBA. Yeah. And I had about six months off. So I, I left Eli Lilly. I traveled for a few months, which included a trip to Miami um, mm. to the North American Bitcoin conference. And my my goal was like, I just went there alone. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm just going to go there and get thrown into this and try to find an internship. Before I went to the MBA. So I, I did exactly that. I went um, and got an internship with WanChain, which was a like an interoperability platform um, back in 2018. And that that's what took me from Indiana to Austin. So I mm. um, drove to Austin, was planning on, I, I rented this like long term Airbnb and was just planning on living there for two or three months and then going to school. And a lot of stuff happened, and I, I ended up getting like much more responsibility than I expected in that internship. And they gave me a job offer out of nowhere, and were like, "We don't like you. Don't need to get your MBA. Um, stay in crypto. Uh, you won't regret it." So it was uh, very difficult after how much work I did to <laughs> to, to get into these MBAs, and like yeah. it was unbelievable. But I ended up doing it. It was actually not that hard of a decision because I was taking out. Two hundred thousand dollars in loans to go to, the, to school, so it was like, do I do a job that I might want after school, or do I just um, stay here? So, yeah. And long story short, I I went there, did uh, led their marketing for a year and a half, and then um, started looking elsewhere as far as like where I saw kind of the tech going and um, realizing more and more just how important the quality of the tech was. So that's what got me looking at Polkadot. Uh, which we can go into a, a little bit, and the, the the organization behind Polkadot was Web3 Foundation. So um, I was looking at a couple other jobs, ended up um, going to Berlin for Web3 Summit, which is this epic crypto conference in Berlin, mm-hmm. and uh, went there, met the team, ended up finalizing that, and and went on there full time to do kind of growth and community for Web3 Foundation slash Polkadot. So we we launched Polkadot while I was there. We also launched another network called Kusama, and um, that was another year and a half. And then the way Polkadot's set up is Polkadot's like this base layer infrastructure that connects a bunch of blockchains on top of it. So oh, the, yeah,
0: we're we're gonna go real deep into into, into Polkadot. We are. Yeah. So so, but I want to do t- uh, like two kind of quick checks on your on your story before we go in. So mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people who are kind of like hovering around crypto and watching it are still a little unsure of like how to get in. Um, You know, listen to podcasts, read blog posts, sign up for newsletters. It sounds like maybe your gateway was just like, I just said YOLO and went to a conference and everything snowballed out of there. Like, do you recommend that for people of just like, just show up at a conference and the world will like suck you down the rabbit hole?
1: Um. Yeah, it's a combination of things. Um, conferences are hit or miss. Um, if you want to work in crypto, there are so many ways to get to get involved. Like, for example, um, even at Akala, where I am right now, which is built on Polkadot, we can get into that. Um, we've hired uh, at least we've hired one guy who I knew because he was a Polkadot ambassador. Which is an unpaid kind of volunteer position where you just like get involved and offer whatever skills you have. Um, another guy we hired, Brett, uh, the first one's Josh. Then we hired Brett, and Brett did a polka dot hackathon and just killed it. Mm-hmm. So we just we DM'd him on Discord. He was an anon guy named Brett, <laughs> and he, he had like a, a cat with a space suit on. And we just, I just DM'd him and asked like what, what his story was. Turns out he was a, 22-year-old kid who just graduated from college in in Buffalo and was looking for a job um, and just did this hackathon for the hell of it. And just he was in the top 10 out of like, I think a thousand people. So we ended up hiring him and now he's a critical member of our team. So that's a couple examples. Um, But what I'm trying to say is that you you can go to just find something that interests you and go and just offer even free uh, work or just like getting involved in whatever way you can. And once you prove your value, then it's pretty easy to get to get hired um once you once you do that. But yeah, to your point, conferences are a good way. Um there's a lot of good conferences um in the US. There's definitely some plenty in Europe and in Asia too. So um good way to meet people in person, but nowadays you don't really need to meet people in person, but it always
0: helps to, yeah. to do that. In a huge variety of ways to contribute too. Um definitely uh-huh. not it's not like Designer engineer, get the fuck out. It's a very no. there's a lot of work to do in a lot of different disciplines and all all skills are necessary.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. I mean, engineers are, are in high demand, but like I came from marketing and I still it's very hard to understand like the deep technical stuff. Like oh, sure. I actually compare <laughs> it. Yeah, like I it's <laughs> I compare it to my, my previous job. Like in pharmaceuticals, I was marketing products that I had, of course, no idea how the chemistry worked on the back end with those, the, the chemists in the lab who invented these molecules. It's the same thing in blockchain. There's these brilliant engineers building these blockchain protocols that I, I can't come close to fully grasping. But if you can understand how it works at the basic level and then help communicate that in a way that people can understand, then you've done, done most of the job.
0: Yeah, I think this just the stage that we are at is uh, like attracts the people who talk technical details and talk jargon. And, and one of the things I really enjoy about that is like there's so much value to be created just by understanding at a very high level, like what does this technology make possible, and like sharing that with people, um, and just helping them start to imagine the future. You know, this is one of those things that like technology that snuck up on us. Like nobody was thinking about like, oh, it'll be cool when that happens. It just happened. You know, is all like. We don't have sci-fi about the blockchain, um, so it's just connecting all those dots.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's just like the internet. We're building we're building protocols and, and base layer platforms that are going to enable things that we can't even compose to predicting. So yeah. it's going to be fun to watch it develop.
0: Yeah. So okay, so let's do um, let's talk about the origin of of Polkadot and pro- maybe uh, start with Gavin Wood.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and even going back a little further, the the origin of Ethereum, which led to the the origin of Polkadot. So, um, I mean, even... Yeah, so everyone, I'm sure, knows Bitcoin. um, That got everything started. And then Ethereum came along and added programmability or um, smart contracts to be able to essentially program money or build applications on these decentralized systems. Um, And by decentralized... We essentially mean that it's built on a on a tech on a technology stack that isn't owned by a company like Facebook or Apple or Google, where you could just go to their servers and shut them down, or they could go to your account and change your name on Facebook. Um, this is being built on a global network of servers or computers that are helping run this distributed network. It's it's really fascinating what's what's happening with this.
0: Is is a good analogy um, email, like nobody can shut down email if they wanted to. And in the same way, um, you know, Ethereum is like this open protocol for computing.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, in a way, but yeah, so the email protocol that allows like Gmail to work is like SMTP. But Google owns our email account. So if they wanted to delete all my emails, they can because Mm -hmm. they own they own that server that it's stored on. Um, I guess it would be like if, as if, imagine like an email server that you run yourself in your house and you're the only one who has access to those emails. Mm. That's kind of more like what's being built now is because you you actually own your your data and information on these um, blockchains. Okay. Um,
0: okay, So so Ethereum's innovation on top of Bitcoin was to basically add a... Programming language so that it can facilitate all of these apps with smart contracts and um, you know do, do a lot more than just transfer value back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. So, what is the what does Polkadot build on top of or adapt Ethereum yeah. into?
1: Yeah, so, so Vitalik um, Buterin was the one who wrote the white paper originally for Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And then he found another guy named Gavin Wood, um, who was a coder. So Gavin actually coded um, Ethereum based on what Vitalik had written up in the white paper. He actually said that he built it in three weeks, which is pretty <laughs> unbelievable, the, the first version of Ethereum. Um, so Gavin and the team um, built and launched Ethereum. He also created uh, the Solidity Programming Language, um, which is still used for building all these applications on Ethereum. (laughs) Um, But but started to realize that there was going to be, number one, scalability issues. So this is back in like 2015, 2016. Um, And being the kind of brilliant visionary that he is, was looking forward to today where we are. And, And some people may have heard about these gas or transaction fee issues that Ethereum's having. It's so expensive to do anything. But he predicted that back back in 2016 and, and kind of went his own way and built Polkadot to, to help solve some of these um, problems, including scalability. So the other the other major um, challenge that, that Polkadot is seeking to solve is um, you can kind of compare it to the internet. So we have... There's actually... Going back to that class I had in, in college, uh, there's actually physical wires that go under the ocean that connect the US to Europe for the internet. Um, and these internet systems in the US and Europe can obviously um, work together. You can send an email overseas in seconds. Um, but what the where the blockchain ecosystem is still, to, to a certain extent, is all these networks are kind of these isolated regions or islands that aren't connected. So you can't send information or value between these chains. Um, or these, these blockchains or these networks. Um, we have to get to the point where we have the same thing as the global internet, where everything is completely um, connected and interoperable. Um, and that's, that's one of the biggest things that Polkadot's also seeking to, to change, where it's not just one network or one blockchain. What Polkadot is is this whole universe of up to 100 connected blockchain networks. So they're all kind of plugging into this core um, to the network. Mm-hmm. And through that, they get kind of out of the box the ability to connect, communicate with any other network that's connected to Polkadot.
0: Okay. Okay. Brief recap. Um, and then we'll continue. So, um, Gavin Wood, incredibly instrumental in the founding of Ethereum, basically built the whole first thing. And, the, uh, The Infinite Machine is a book by Camilla Russo. It's just like a hilarious account of this whole thing because it's an incredible drama, um, with the early team and all of the innovations that went into creating Ethereum, like legal and technical and community and all of it is, it's truly an amazing story. Um, And Gavin features kind of prominently in that, obviously. Um, So I I definitely see the, I understand the problem because you should have seen my face the first time I realized you can't swap Bitcoin for Ethereum because those are two different chains. And it just (laughs) like, I'm just like sitting there trying to figure out how to do this. And didn't even occur to me that this is a problem. Um, which sounds dumb to anybody more than three months into really understanding crypto, but for most people who are new to the space, I think you know it's not obvious necessarily when you come from an internet that's already interoperable that these chains are actually mm-hmm. distinct networks, and you have to go through kind of clumsy bridges um, to go from one network to the other. So the interoperability problem is is I, I definitely identify with. And Polkadot's solution, at least as I understand it, and please correct or expand me here, is that there's basically... They build a fundamental technology that they expect all uh, other people to build their blockchains on top of.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So just like Gavin built Solidity for Ethereum, he built this thing called Substrate, which is like a blockchain development framework for Polkadot. So... It's basically like a framework for you to essentially choose from a menu of different components that you would want to build into a blockchain to customize it for a specific purpose. So another thing about Polkadot is it's kind of a bet on um, customization of of these networks instead of generalization. Mm -hmm. Because right now, Ethereum got so big. There's so much great work that's been done there, but there's everything from... Um, NFTs, to finance, to gaming, insurance, everything's trying to be built on the same generic blockchain. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, with Substrate, you can basically spin up your own chain and customize it for whatever you want to focus on. So if you're a gaming um, company or gaming application, you could build a blockchain that is optimized for, let's say, speed um, instead of optimizing for things like security because it's a game. Sure. Um, so this this is kind of what what substrate enabled is the ability to for people to spin up their own networks. Okay.
0: Um, so other other approaches to solving that problem are something like um, Thorchain, right? Which is trying. So they are taking like existing blockchains like Bitcoin and Ethereum and trying to build a layer zero. I guess is, is is that the term for it, like below them to, to build almost a substrate or a create interoperability between existing chains. Is that is that also PolkaDot's approach? Or are these like separate approaches to the same problem? One is about Polkadot is about building a new set of blockchains around this this new sort of central substrate versus coming and adding something that has to work with everything, the the existing blockchains.
1: Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not an expert in Thorchain, but even the way you described it, so since it's working with existing networks, so Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, these are these are these are previously existing networks that it's mm-hmm. trying to connect in, in some sort of DeFi uh, decentralized finance setup. With Polkadot, it's more of these are these are all blockchains that are kind of natively built uh, with similar technology instead of completely different tech. And then for working with existing networks like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, there will be bridges to those. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not only Polkadot, only isolated to that. Um, but there will be the ability to bridge to things like Bitcoin and Ethereum from Polkadot as well. Okay.
0: So, so chains can like move onto Polkadot. It's not like they have to have been started there already.
1: It, through bridges, you can if you were built with something besides Substrate. Um, oh. But most of the teams that are going to be launching on on Polkadot built with the framework, like basically for Polkadot,
0: Okay. okay. Uh, where did where did the name Polkadot come from? It is by far the cutest blockchain name. I feel like <laughs> every, everything else is like Avalanche, or Terra,
1: like exactly. Yeah. Um, I actually that's a story that the, even the name of Polkadot and Kusama, I, I don't know too well. Um. Part of it was probably like with polka dot. It's like connecting the dots. That's mm. probably maybe part of where the name came from. Um, Kusama is actually I think a much cooler name. Um, the the like polka dot's kind of sister network um, because there's an artist named Yayoi Kusama from Japan, um, super famous globally, and, and mm-hmm. all of her artwork is done with polka dots. So the, uh, the name of that um, kind of inspired the the naming for Kusama Network, which is which is kind of cool. What is what does Kusama do? What is the sister network? Yeah, this is actually a whole nother rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, uh, maybe I shouldn't it, have asked to...
1: It's I can explain it in a simple way. <laughs> okay. um, the the traditional the traditional path for these software developers is they they build like let's say an application on a test network with no money, no value on it, mm-hmm. and they launch it on the main network. And there's a lot of times like unpredictable things that go wrong when it goes to the main network when money is involved. Sure. They could never have predicted on the test net.
0: Yeah, this is the blockchain version of it. it worked on local, but now I have to push to production.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Kusama is a step in between test net and mainnet. It's like an experimental network with real value on it. So these it's a it's this new model that Gavin and them created where you go from testnet to Kusama, and in Kusama there's real value there, so you can make sure mm-hmm. things don't go wrong. But the value is about ten times less than that of Polkadot. So by the time something makes it to the third step and on Polkadot, it's nearly perfect and um, mm-hmm. been kind of battle tested quite a bit. So yeah,
0: not non catastrophic bugs on on Kusama. Yeah. Um, yep. But but Kusama is not something that necessarily like consumers need to know or interact with. They they would be
1: some some will be but oh, um, Polkadot go. will always be kind of the primary network.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, what what is the what is the interface with with Polkadot like today? Where where are we at? And like people are starting to use it and apps are starting to launch on it.
1: Yeah. Um, so Polkadot has been launched now for a little over a year okay. and. What has been live um, so far is is mostly the there's governance. So the, the decision making for the future of the network is actually all decided, um, what we call on chain, or it's voted on um, using uh, and actually tracked like through the actual blockchain. Instead of um, the different the different method is off chain governance, which is essentially just people arguing in chat rooms um, and 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 like three people who have access to the code can actually make the change. So, on-chain governance is definitely where the uh, the future is is going to, to be. Um, that's one thing. Um, Polkadot also has something called staking. So, you can essentially like lock up your DOT tokens and earn about twelve to fifteen percent on yield on that, because you're essentially helping to provide additional security to the network by locking those those DOT tokens. So, that's been going on for the past year or so, but Polkadot. Um, on its own is nothing. Without these um, blockchains that it's connecting, and we call these blockchains parachains. But um, these, there has been no blockchain launched on Polkadot yet, and that's what's about to happen. Um, actually, on Thursday this week, so on November 11th, um, wow. the auctions begin, um, and that is a whole a whole new kind of. Um, method for launching startups and like community backed launches for startups that are it's it's super interesting and maybe we can get into that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, that's um well what a what an amazing moment to be having this conversation. It's like the, the soft <laughs> launch of of uh, so tell me about the yeah what what is the auction mechanism for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um so if people are aware of of what happened with these initial coin offerings or ICOs that happened on Ethereum and, and several other blockchains back mostly like 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. it was an exchange of, of value. So I would send, for example, Ethereum to an address, God knows where, and then I would just pray that that team would actually send me something back <sighs> in return. Yeah. That was, that was an ICO. And a lot of times it ended poorly. A lot of times the team could just get there, collect the ETH, and you know they had no accountability for actually delivering on what they were promising.
0: And even even well-intentioned teams, there was just like buggy, clumsy yeah. like implementations of ICOs. And some of them were like, oh, we're going to collect $10 million, but didn't cap it. And so they ended up collecting like $80 million of ETH on accident and then like trying yeah. to figure out how to get it back. And then, or their account got hacked right after they, um Yeah, there's, there's a ton of those stories in the infinite machine too. And there are, um, yeah, they're wild. So mm-hmm. I definitely understand the need for an evolution in that, <laughs> that <Yeah>. mechanism. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that context is important because um, that's kind of the learnings from that are kind of what led to to these what are called parachain slot auctions. So I mentioned that these blockchains um, that are launching on Polkadot are called parachains, and they each have a slot in the network. It's like a parking spot. Mm -hmm. And these roll out one at a time. So there will be up to 100 blockchains connecting to Polkadot, but we're about to start um, this auction... Um, to to basically earn the right to launch in slot number one on Polkadot. So there's a bunch of teams lined up, like ready to go, and they want to launch on Polkadot. And now it's just a matter of who can um, gather the most amount of DOT because DOT is required... um, The Polkadot token is required to um, bid in this auction. Whoever has the highest bid in auction number one after seven days um, wins the auction and then earns the right to launch on Polkadot. So this is a kind of a take on ICOs because it, it it forces teams like us to first of all to there's a lot of skin in the game a lot of work that's required to launch instead of an ICO it's it was very easy to just spin up a website and mm-hmm. just collect money um, the other the other aspect is um, this is not just the teams bidding with their own dot what happens is um, imagine Just to make a comparison to the real world, imagine in in an auction for a house, you go to the auction with your own checkbook. And if if it reaches a point where you don't have the the money to afford that, then you're out of the auction as an individual. But imagine coming to the same auction with crowdfunded um, funds from your family, friends, neighbors, whoever wanted to get involved. You have a way more competitive bid in that auction to win that house. The same thing happens in these auctions for these teams that want to launch on Polkadot. They're not going to go to the auction with their own DOT. They are going to do something called a crowd loan, and they mm-hmm. they will get all this DOT from the community all over the world who agree to basically loan them their DOT um, in return for that network's token. So every parachain that's launching has their own um, cryptocurrency that's required to, um, you know, mm-hmm. do transaction fees on the network in order to operate um, these applications mm-hmm. that are being built and, and several other things, but just. Most basic is um, transaction fees.
0: Okay, all right. A few uh, either questions or clarifications on that. Um, one, I think DOT is the native token for Polkadot, and and the like sort of medium of exchange for all the stuff that goes on here. Um, I think it's also I think worth saying. So your context in this ecosystem is as um, Akala, one of the companies bidding on that first spot. Exactly. So, so you are you are building a company essentially, um, or a network, or a, like what, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would identify it. Um, network. To, to, yeah. A network. Okay. To build on Polkadot, and so you're like trying to win this auction so that you can be the first to launch your network on Polkadot. Exactly. And how does okay? So how does the network? Um, I want to come back to the the auction because um, there's definitely some. Things that I want to explore there because it's a very interesting mechanism. Um, but what is the what is the difference in identification of you as a network versus you as a company?
1: Well, um, yeah, that's that's something that is the case really in most crypto projects. So, a company is a centralized entity that. Maybe has to register in Delaware or anywhere you know in the world. <laughs> a network. There's a core team of four founders, um, and then there's people like me who are kind of core contributors to the network. But as soon as we launch Akala on Polkadot, it will be um, just like you said with Ethereum, an infinite machine. These are unstoppable decentralized networks that can't be shut down. This is. So we—it's not a company. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's a network. It's a platform that is open. The—the the code is open source. Um, you can build applications on it, and there's no one place. It's not like it's registered in Delaware. It's—it's it's a network operated by people all over the world. Okay, um, and, and with varying degrees of
0: involvement too, right? Like you'll—you'll you'll remain a core contributor. There's people who are sort of, I don't know, freelance or independent, periodic contributors, and there's people who mm-hmm. are extremely, what, part-time probably, or ambassadors or something like that? Yeah, exactly. There's a okay. there's a wide range of, of people contributing. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you distinguish this from a DAO, or do you think it is like network and DAO sort of somewhat the same um, in this context?
1: So just, I guess, to confuse you even more, there's, there's a DAO. Please bring uh, it on, bring uh, it uh, like, on. So Akala has a DAO built into the network, okay. which is pretty pretty fascinating. And that's already the DAO is already holding like oh, now probably over $80 million in dot. And that allows the network itself to fund development, security, even marketing, if it's voted on by all the ACA token holders and in, in governance decisions. So it's essentially like a, I don't know, like a, a treasury for the network itself to fund its own growth. Okay. Um, so that's the DAO aspect and and the governance is similar to to DAOs too. Okay, so the, the DAO lives
0: within the network and supports mm-hmm. its growth. Um, but yep. you work for the network, not necessarily the DAO. So the DAO is like a small, like, I don't know, a g- council or something within? Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, my brain's scrambled egg on this topic. We'll, we'll, will yeah. <laughs> right, let's go back Again, to, the, back to the auction. Yeah. So, uh, so how does Akala function like approach? You know, you've got an auction in a, a week um, mm-hmm. or in a few days. How long have you been preparing for this? Like, what does the playbook look like? Um, and, and, and what happens sort of if you win? Are you just like, how, do, mm-hmm. how what's the auction mechanism work? What happens if you win? Like, what, what are you giving and what are you getting? Um, so talk yeah. me through what happens.
1: I'll just I'll finish the, the idea around um, the, the crowd loan. So to, to take it back to that example I gave where you're basically crowdfunding money together. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing happens here. We, we will be um, very soon... Um, and I, I think when this, when this podcast comes out, this will already have been open. But it's, uh, this crowd loan will be open and we will basically be... Akala will be able to accept dot contributions from anywhere, anyone in the world. They're agreeing to lock their DOT for two years, which is the duration of this like lease to, to launch on Polkadot. But in return, they get ACA, which is a Kala's token. Mm. So that's like the, the, the trade-off. But then the, the reason why this is a better take on ICOs is that it's called a crowd loan because after two years, all of that original DOT contribution is returned automatically. So you get your DOT back and you keep whatever um, ACA or... Any other networks token that you got when they launched. So that's how the crowd loan works. And that's how we get enough dot to be competitive in that auction. So
0: interesting. So this is a this is a, a popularity contest that you're in where you're collecting you're collecting dot from the polka dot community. So if I own 10 dot, you really want me to stake with you so that I can lock exactly. up my 10 dot with you for two years. You give me some ACA tokens. Um for the privilege of me giving you my dot. And then in two years, I get my dot back and I get to keep the ACA that you gave me. Yep. And my risk exposure there is that, is what, the, that the price of both of those things goes way down. Um, what what happens if somebody gives you their dot and then you don't win the, is, mm-hmm. is it conditional on you winning the auction? Exactly.
1: Okay. If we don't, you get, you actually get, they, they come out in batches of five. So you get five chances to win an auction. If you don't win one of those, then... The dots automatically return to people. Interesting. Um,
0: then, but I can only stake my 10 dot with one network per yeah. Yeah. auction. Okay. Yep.
1: Interesting. And the other, so I mentioned earlier, but the, with the staking, so dot staking is incredible, like 12, 15%. Um, you have to unstake your dot in order to, to, to contribute to these crowd loans. So that is the trade off, mm-hmm. you, you lose the staking rewards. So mm-hmm. USD price aside, what the trade off is is you're you're actually betting on the value of the pair, the new token you're getting from that parachain that you supported to be higher than the staking returns would have been on those dot um, but like you said you the, the, if the price of dot in the whole market came down you also wouldn't have the liquidity of that dot to mm-hmm. for example sell if you wanted to but a lot of people actually look at it on the flip side. It's like a forced hold. It's like a forced long-term hold on a on such a new and, and high potential asset. So
0: yeah, I mean, I so I'm you know full disclosure and pretty obviously given I think this conversation like a fan of buying tokens and um, one as an investment opportunity I think and uh, hashtag not financial advice and be like staking them as just a really a long-term um, it's you know, not a lot of assets that you can buy that appreciate, that then return on top of that appreciation. Um, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a double dip that seems to be almost a given in Web three that is not at all in not at all a given in um, sort of traditional finance. Like if you own an equity, um, you're not necessarily earning. There's no way to stake like that equity or double dip it or, um, yeah, or return exactly. on it beyond like it's either dividends or appreciation. Um, okay, uh, so who else is is bidding on these spots? Like, who are, are you competitive with these other networks?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a it's an interesting dynamic because we're like. Friends with a lot of these people, you know, like Mm -hmm. all all these teams, all the early teams. We see each other at conferences in person now, online. Um, But at the same time, we all want to launch on Polkadot. So there is a little bit of a friendly competition going on. But um, the cool part is, there's, there, everyone's going to get a chance to launch. Maybe not first, but um, everyone will. So we. We want everyone to get launched. We want as many successful um, parachain teams on Polkadot as possible because that means we'll be more successful. Um, but yeah, the, the, the crowd launch or the uh, parachain auctions are, I mean, there's a, there's a competition element there that's, that's kind of fun.
0: How, how often do they do auctions?
1: Um, so these will be doing uh, five in a batch of five and actually back to back to back. So they're one week auctions. So they will be five weeks in a row. Oh. And then um, I believe the next five will potentially start even right after those. So it's going to go through Christmas, through New Year, and into January. And then these things can be stopped and started um, through the governance system. So Mm -hmm. maybe they'll take after the first ten. Maybe they'll take a a month and just like assess, like make sure everything is is stable, and then continue scaling up. But
0: Uh, so. So people are going to be locking up their dot for two years at a time in these first auctions. But we're about to run two years of potentially back-to-back-to-back-to-back auctions of 100 different parachain spots on Polkadot.
1: Um, Yeah. If there's enough teams ready. At this point, there's definitely not 100 teams that are ready to launch entire blockchains. Um, It's more like, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 Okay, um, But I think once that happens, and like that is really the ultimate, um, you know, finish of the Polkadot launch is when all these teams start to launch. And there will be huge growth in like the amount of developers and new interests. So I expect that to grow um, pretty quickly over the next couple of years. But mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll take two, three years to scale up to 100. So are you, um, is the 100 arbitrary? It's a theoretical max based mm-hmm. on like research from the Web3 Foundation team. Um, that's based on the current tech kind of okay. architecture. That could always change. Um, Polkadot can be upgraded um, fairly easily. So there's there's already concepts out there about how to sure. scale past hundred. Okay. Um,
0: this is a not financial advice question, um, but should everybody just be like buying dots like their lives depended on it?
1: Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely very <laughs> bullish on on Polkadot in general. Um, one, I guess, like a uh, tokenomics type of um, phenomenon with Polkadot that's interesting is with these with these parachain auctions. When we as Akala launch, our entire crowd loan that we raised is locked away and basically pulled out of the circulating <coughs> supply of DOT. Mm-hmm. So if we raise, um, I don't know, $500 million or a $1 billion in this crowd loan, that will all be locked away and pulled out of the dot supply. But then every other parachain team will be locking more and more dot. So that puts a supply pressure on, on the, the circulating supply. I'm not a finance guy, but um, it's got to have some kind of an impact on on the, the token.
0: And the, I mean, the market cap of Polkadot today, as we're talking, is like $58 billion. Yeah. Um Is I don't know if it's uh, game theoretically smart to name like what is what do you think your bid size will come in at?
1: Well, uh, the the only data we have to to make a guess is from Kusama because mm. as I mentioned, all the stuff that we're doing on Polkadot has already been done mm. once. So we yeah. we actually won the first auction on um, Kusama about three months ago. And in that one, we we raised five percent of the entire KSM supply in, <laughs> in our one crowd loan. So, shit. If we do that on Polkadot, it would be um, I think over two or three billion. Yeah. I don't. I I personally don't think that that would be very difficult to do. Um, but there's a chance that it could be, it, it could be you know pretty high. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, okay, so that seems like a, an appropriate segue to actually explain what Akala is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I guess going back to the, the, the discussion around like customization instead of generalization, um, Akala is an entire blockchain built customized for decentralized finance. So we will have. This whole kind of ecosystem—you can we sometimes sometimes refer to it as like the app store for finance. Imagine like you got the app store; you've got all these apps like building on this platform that Apple provided. In that case, it's a it's a like a Web two centralized thing. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's a it's a decentralized platform. But you'll have all these finance applications building in this ecosystem or this economy that all can work together. And what they're building on the blockchain is able to be customized specifically for DeFi. So some of the more um, prominent products in the Ethereum um, ecosystem, you 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 have to have a stablecoin um, for for all these products to build around. And with everything going on in, in like regulatory environment right now around U.S. dollar backed stablecoins, it's very risky um, because there's so much risk of um, you know, central authorities. You know, um, dabbling with your stablecoin, which is very risky for building DeFi products around products that are centralized by nature. <laughs> it is so, pretty funny to
0: watch everybody yell about like inflation is coming. You have to buy crypto, and then everybody in the crypto world pegging the stable their stablecoins to the U.S. dollar. Um, exactly.
1: It's <laughs> so like, uh, okay. So we've one of the products we built is similar to what um, MakerDAO built for Ethereum, which is called Dai. <laughs> DAI. And yep. we've built um, the Acala dollar, AUSD, as a decentralized stablecoin. So not backed by real dollars. It's backed and collateralized by crypto assets like Bitcoin, Ethereum, DOT, and others. Um, so this is what the whole ecosystem is kind of built around. And that that um, stablecoin is built into our blockchain itself. So anyone building applications on Akala can kind of natively, out of the box, leverage that. Um, we've also built a decent, decentralized exchange into the chain. So imagine like Uniswap being built into Ethereum's blockchain, and then mm-hmm. anyone building on Ethereum being able to leverage the liquidity of that, that exchange out of the box. Um, and the last thing uh, we, we mentioned earlier, we were talking about staking. And when you stake DOT, you have to lock the DOT away, and it's essentially useless besides the yield that it's getting the 12 to 15%. But we've actually built a liquid staking derivative, so you can stake your DOT and get this L DOT, which is a liquid DOT um, that's liquid, and you can go use that for additional yield in you know DeFi applications and and what have you. So those are the three kind of core products built into Acala and kind of what make it a decentralized finance focused blockchain. Um, and then the other just key thing to mention is that there's an Ethereum virtual machine, an um, EVM, which is essentially like um, a place for onboarding Ethereum teams who have already built an application and spent all this time building for Ethereum. We give them kind of that same environment. So it's very easy to just take that and launch it on, on Acala and Polkadot uh, more broadly. Um, so that's, that's kind of the uh, Akala in a nutshell. Okay,
0: um, that was that was maybe a little too master's degree and not enough high school cafeteria for this particular podcast. Um, yeah. So, so what is the is Akala going to be used, um, or is the intent that Akala is used directly by consumers? Um, or yes. okay, okay, so this, so i so so have like a wallet with Akala or a wallet with polka dot or both.
1: There's a polkadot wallet that works with every blockchain that will connect to it, yeah. so it's like multi-chain. Um, but but I think even I think even more interestingly, um, you'll have consumers, and these are DeFi users, so they're they're pretty you know entrenched in crypto if they're mm-hmm. using some of this stuff, especially like these uh, staking things that I'm talking about. Um, but the consumers that I'm most excited about interacting with are actually consumers in. Um, non-crypto applications that will be um, unknowingly benefiting from crypto. So let me give an example of that. Um, there's a company in, in New York City called Current, who I didn't know about until I started work- we started working with them. Current.com is a, a neobank or a fintech company with about 3 million customers in the US. And they have... Um, this customer base of people who are kind of newer to the financial system and they're they're using Current for pretty much just a basic savings account. So they earn like 0.5%. They have their app on their phone. Maybe they contribute like 50 bucks a month and, and they're good. But Current came to us and we're like, hey, we've been watching um, everything in crypto for like 6 years. We've been watching the launch of Acala um, and Polkadot. And we want to build um, a tool with you guys so that we can kind of connect our FinTech application to your decentralized finance ecosystem or economy and provide the, the yield that you're able to generate in this crypto world to our users on current. So, what it could look like, and in, in the details of what it's kind of called and branded I haven't been finalized, but just as an example, I could open up my current app one day and just the pop up comes up and it says, Would you like to sign up for? Current yield, and maybe it's 3% or 4% instead of 0.5%. Mm-hmm. But those dollars are actually flowing out of current bank account um, into an what we call an on-off ramp, which basically converts US dollars to crypto that will go into a kala and earn yield and, and all these different things that are probably too complicated to, to talk about. But we, we can earn like 12, 15% in some cases. Um, this will then be able to be Sold or liquidated and sent back through that on off ramp into US dollars and then distributed to current.com customers. So they're earning this, you know, three, 4% yield from DeFi, but they don't have to use all these complicated tools and worry about all these passwords and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so super exciting for me to bring, <coughs> you know, crypto to the masses in a way that's very user friendly and something that they're already used to using.
0: Yeah. And so that's all built on Akala. Um, Correct. Yeah, will will be. Um, Uh That that's a super exciting vision and something that I'm really curious about seeing how this unfolds. Right, like how how much of Web three is going to force is going to be like you know the strong form where everybody's got a wallet and everybody's got their private keys and we all have to go through this painful like process of onboarding and understanding how all these new things work and waiting for transactions to clear and. it's just a whole new world of things to yeah. learn. And how much will will like web two interfaces, I guess, just kind of learn to build on top of web three infrastructure and bring some of those like benefits um, to people without them even really realizing like what's going on in the back end? Do you have a, a strong vision on that?
1: I just think that, yeah, this this one example is a perfect um, you know example of where things are headed because. For for people like my parents and my my family, even like all of my friends who aren't crypto people, like it's just way too difficult for people to wrap mm-hmm. their head around how all of this works. If you can just somehow bring the benefits of crypto, which are for me um, better ways of earning more, um, more yield on things like a dollar. Mm-hmm. I have, I mean, to be honest, like very little in banks anymore. Like. If I can hold a stable coin in, say, BlockFi for 8%, or Anchor Protocol on Terra for 20%, why would I be holding money in the bank? So, this is where it's, it's really exciting to, to me to bring those benefits to existing platforms. So, think about like these fintech companies, banks, um, you know, the websites and apps that everyone already is used to using, but so being able to bring those benefits to those, um, to those applications. Yeah.
0: I think that's super, super exciting. Um, and I hope it can, I I do hope it can happen without having to onboard the whole world into wallets and all of the confusing, like micro tragedies that can happen when, when everyone is like individually, uh, responsible for everything. Like there's a, I think there's a good reason why we have some central authority around a lot of this stuff. Like I, you know how often I fucking have to reset my password? Like, exactly. <laughs> I don't know that I want to be the only one with one key to my whole net worth. Like, there's some... some yeah. We figured some stuff out there. Um, and, and I think we can get the best of both worlds. So um, th- there's that's a reason. very cool.
1: Yeah. There's a reason why Coinbase was the first huge crypto IPO. Because yeah. look at look what they do. You have a username and you have a password. And people are much more comfortable trusting trusting Coinbase um, for better or worse. But that's what people are used to. And that's what most people prefer. And, so. and with how many people have lost their keys, you know,
0: and like plenty of people I know who are early to crypto and just threw away a hard drive or lost their private keys or whatever. It like, um yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not as sure as some of the uh, zealots that decentralization is is like the killer app and value proposition of a lot of this stuff. Actually, I understand the benefits of it for sure, and you know the increasing um, the reason to pay attention to it. Um, but I don't think it's obvious that like that should be everyone's number one variable to consider when they're making a decision about an app or a purchase or uh-huh. a currency or something. Um, so. Uh, there's a little bit, a little bit back to to Polkadot, but what has to happen for Polkadot to succeed in, in like the broader crypto ecosystem? Like, is it how does it sit with respect to like the Ethereum ecosystem or the Bitcoin ecosystem? Like, um, there's a lot of dogmatism around you know chains or networks, and uh, it's really unclear to me how that all unfolds. And I think Polkadot's a really interesting kind of new um, newcomer to that. Space and, and just like how do you see those all interacting?
1: Yeah, um, I just think that we're still pretty early on in, in the evolution of this new, you know, industry. And what's happening now is there's just so much more openness to all these different teams and blockchains and ecosystems working together. Mm-hmm. So that's really what Polkadot's built for is to connect all these networks, and we will. Like I mentioned, be bridging to existing networks like Bitcoin, Ethereum, even Terra, Solana, a lot of these up and coming um blockchain. So I think if you fast forward like two, three years, we're all gonna be around still. I think mm-hmm. all this stuff will you'll be growing your own um your own community, your own developer community, your own kind of system, um, you know, ecosystem of applications. And everyone benefits from being connected. So I think down the line, there's just going to be all these different teams building up their own um, operations, but being able to you know, send um, information and value back and forth between Ethereum and Polkadot and connecting, even when, when ETH2 comes out, this whole new um, Ethereum world, connecting Ethereum2 and Polkadot will be massively valuable um, and, and is almost inevitable. It's going to happen. So. I mean, for for Polkadot to be successful, just going back to your question, um, a lot of it is around just general adoption of the technology. So we there there needs to be a lot of focus on uh, making the user experience or the developer experience very easy. Um, doing things like hackathons, just getting um, growing the developer community is is probably the most important thing. Um, then on my side, I I, I think education is extremely important because like I mentioned, like this is all just so technical and for people to really adopt this, you need to make it, um, you need to educate people in a way that they can understand.
0: And where do you, where do you send people who want to kind of start to self-educate and play around with this kind of stuff?
1: Um, Most of crypto kind of lives on Twitter. So that's a good place to start by just, I mean, for general crypto people, you can kind of even Google that um, who to follow, but yeah, getting involved in in just discussions there. Um, there's plenty of really good YouTube videos for some of these basic concepts. Um, if you get into DeFi, there's there's some really good YouTube channels on like DeFi, decentralized finance concepts. So yeah, a lot of people use videos and then just kind of you know hanging out in these communities, like on Twitter and, and on Discord. Sometimes there's there's a lot of chatter so yeah 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 discord
0: seems to be um the hub for a lot of this stuff too like a a lot of things come together once you start poking around in some of the discord communities so um and you'll find links to those on most projects twitter accounts um that tends to be my like kind of process um even the discords are like a little bit chaos but you can definitely find links to all the like all the docs and people answer your questions and stuff
1: i still haven't figured out how to like how to really effectively use Discord? Because there's, if you're in like 10, 10 Discord servers, it's impossible to, to follow. Oh
0: on. yeah, it, yeah, it's completely. Um, I feel like I'm gonna have a seizure every time I open it, yeah, but I still keep adding everything. different Discord servers and, and not, not being able to keep up with all of them. And I get like a tab open with four thousand five hundred eighty two notifications or whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 insane. Um, but I think it's a, it is a also really exciting because the stuff mm-hmm. is available to everybody and for for maybe the first time ever right like instead of the startups that are going to change the world getting founded in one or five specific cities and being funded by you know a few hundred people with access these companies are getting created in discords now by people all over the world and yep. it is a much more meritocratic process of like if you can dig into these companies and find out what's going on and develop an opinion about the future and, you know, put in 10 bucks or 100 bucks or 1,000 bucks into the right projects early on and then, and then put your money, your mouth where your money is and start pushing a shoulder against these things and helping them and building them. Um, You know, almost everybody in the world can be a VC now and can be a startup employee now and, um, you know, crypto, part of the, Part of it is technical um, and, and new capabilities, but I think a lot of it is also cultural about like what's, what's changing. It's really exciting to see.
1: Yeah, there's there's just... I don't think there's ever been an industry that has been so um, accessible to the general public in terms of, like you were mentioning, these earlier rounds of funding. Normally, everyone kind of... You wait for the IPO, you buy the IPO, but by then, you're already buying at 100x what the guy in San Francisco... <laughs> was was investing in the series A for, you know? So it's really cool to see, um, of course, there's always going to be venture capital money um, flowing mm-hmm. into these businesses, but um, everyday people are, are now able to kind of, um, you know, back these companies right alongside the big VC, the big venture capital firm. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting phenomenon with crypto. And
0: we're still ahead of a lot of institutions. Like I, I talked to friends who, you know, run private money and like, because of their charters, they're not allowed to invest in you know speculative assets, or they don't know how to custody crypto or something like that. They can only buy you know stocks or private companies or equities. Um, and so this is something where I'm seeing individuals and especially family offices um, really like get a huge jump on institutions. Um, that's changing and definitely going to change over the next couple of years, I think. But yeah, it's it is very, very, very exciting. Sure. What? Um, what I'm not sure is it, I mean, like, there's downsides to all of that too. But um, it, I don't know. There's going to be. It is a really exciting um, future, and the fact that it's all kind of perfectly liquid and changing all the time. Um, this is just going to be. I think it's easy to underestimate the impact of this. Like, I, we're we're coming for a whole another new. Um, Revolution that may actually feel way way bigger in impact than Web two. Um, so, as somebody who's been in this space for a few years, like let's try to push the timeline of predictions as far out as you can, like comfortably speculate. And I, you don't have to be right, but like let's just let's just dream for a minute about what like ten or twenty years in the
1: future could look like. That's a really tough one. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah 10 20 years yeah um, i think it's the equivalent
0: of like trying to predict in 2001 that amazon will be a trillion dollar company that like serves every know. company on earth in in uh you know in 20 years but i it's a it's maybe the most fun question to me
1: yeah i, I don't know i actually probably should think about that question um, even after this but i think where the some of these trends are going Um, I guess on the, on the finance and DeFi side, um, I mean, 20 years, there could, there could start being pressure on the, even the need for things like banks, um, with all this stuff being built on a decentralized, um, blockchain or multiple blockchains, banks are becoming, uh, irrelevant over time. Um, the other thing that, that is happening now, which I... I don't necessarily like the whole um, metaverse and kind of like this living in living in this virtual world. Mm -hmm. There's so much money flowing into the metaverse now. Um, If you think about like these VR worlds, Um, I was listening to another podcast um, with uh, the, the the lady from a 16 Z and she was talking all about the metaverse and like just an example she gave was, was really interesting. Just a small example of, you go in this virtual world, and um, you're hanging out with your friends that that you may maybe met on the internet. And there's there could be a movie theater in the virtual world, and you could actually go to a movie and pay you know eight bucks or ten bucks to watch that movie in the virtual world. And somebody owns that theater in the virtual world. Like that that one example kind of opened my eyes. Like wow, you can literally do almost anything. In this metaverse and, and charge for it. And those people will have revenue streams coming from these virtual worlds that people are going to in their living room through VR or through their computers or through their cell phones. So that... The reason why I said I don't love it is just... It's it's a little bit... It's just a little bit strange to think of like, hopefully not me, but my kids or even their kids like living these lives that are in I don't know, in this virtual world, it's a little bit scary to be honest, but um, that's definitely kind of where things are going, and COVID kind of uh, sped that up, where everyone's so used to now living online and not not seeing people, but hopefully there will always be that aspect of reality, which is why I think AR is is, is way cooler than VR because you can kind of blend the two worlds um,
0: yeah. If, if Elon Musk is right that we are living in a simulation, there would be nothing funnier than watching everybody who's in a simulation develop their own simulation to then put themselves in inside the simulation that you created for them.
1: <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's 30 or 40 years.
0: <laughs> um, all right. I know you got to go. You got auctions to win. You got networks to launch. Um, yep. Treasuries to manage. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um if you've got any last stuff you want to share with us, I mean, about how to support Akala in, in the coming auction or um, get involved, uh, I'd love to hear it. But I don't want to, uh, I don't want to keep you too long. So I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, that's about it. Um, if you if you're interested in in polka dot um, or Akala, um, getting involved, even there's the ambassador programs that you could look into. Um, yeah, definitely definitely get on Twitter. Um, you can follow Polkadot and Akala. Um, my handle is Reeser underscore. Um, I talk a lot about, I should talk about things other than Polkadot, but I talk a lot about Polkadot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun and uh, hopefully we can do it another time.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm very excited to see um, where Polkadot is in a year with all these parachains launching and uh, you know everything that, that grows on from here. Um, <laughs> I, I came in with like extremely little knowledge and feel like I've learned a lot today. So I, I really appreciate you uh, dumbing it down for us. Awesome. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Thank you. I appreciate you hanging out with us today. As always, thank you for listening. Today, I encourage you to go play around with some of these tools and technologies. Things really start to click together when you actually use them and feel them work with your own hands and eyes and fingers. This is going to be a really important driver of change over the next 10 years or so. And those early to grasp it or at the very least respect it will help us all move forward faster and reap the rewards themselves. So take a few quiet moments for yourself, breathe deep and be well.